When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Wednesday, August 8th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're taking a look at a new generation of doctors who are pushing for single-payer health care. The American Medical Association, or AMA, is one of the country's most powerful physicians groups. And for decades, they've been strongly opposed to single-payer health care. But this June, young med students in the AMA made it clear that they felt differently. Their message? They want health care for all. These young doctors have been called naive by AMA traditionalists. But increasingly, physicians seem to be switching sides in the health insurance debate. This story was originally reported by Kaiser Health News. So we called up one of their reporters, Shafali Luthra. So here's Shafali talking with our own Tonic News editor, Susan Rincunas, on the story. First things first, can you tell people who don't know what is the American Medical Association? The American Medical Association, or the AMA, it's the biggest doctor trade group. It used to be a really big organization, and it's sort of shrunk in recent years, but it's still very powerful. It represents doctors of all stripes. Um, It advances policy. It lobbies a lot in Washington. It spends millions of dollars advancing arguments for health policy, ostensibly representing doctor perspectives. And the AMA has historically been opposed to universal health care, correct? Very much so. I mean, single payer is the biggest thing that they have always opposed. But going back to, I mean, FDR, Harry Truman, the AMA has represented this argument that government involvement in health care is bad for doctors, bad for patients. They fought against LBJ's plan to create Medicare and Medicaid in the 1960s when President Obama floated the ACA. They fought really hard to make sure there'd be no public option, which is when the government provides one of the options of healthcare out there. And you're not required to take it, but you can. And they eventually supported the ACA only when the public option was gone. It's just been this more traditionally conservative body in the debate around healthcare policy. And why have they opposed all of these policies? I mean, you just said they're more traditionally conservative, but if they're supposedly representing the views of doctors, wouldn't doctors want all of their patients to have health insurance so they could prevent certain health conditions, that kind of thing? So that's a really good question. Um, Doctors have been nervous about expanding government involvement in health insurance because traditionally when you went to medical school, it wasn't just to become a doctor and go work at the hospital and treat patients. You would go to medical school, become maybe a surgeon, become maybe a PCP, which is a primary care physician. You'd go, you'd build your own practice, and you were a doctor, but also a business owner. And, you know, you made a profit. You were responsible for the financial decisions. And doctors were really skeptical, a lot of them, about what government involvement would mean and whether it would be, you know, micromanaging and make it harder for them to earn money. And 
And the other thing, there's so much talk on the internet right now and in the political atmosphere generally around single payer could mean really big pay cuts for doctors. I mean, we pay doctors a lot more than they make in Canada, for instance. And for a long time, the medical establishment was really afraid of what single payer would mean from a financial perspective for its members. So what happened at the AMA annual meeting that was a big deal this year? Sure. So this had been in the works for a few years now. There's this caucus of medical students and, you know, they represent future doctors around the country. And they had been pushing for a while for the AMA to change how it thinks about single payer. And the AMA has language in its, you know, code of things it likes and doesn't like it, doesn't like single payer. It's very upfront about that. And their argument was maybe we can't get the AMA to say it supports single payer, but we can at least get them to drop the opposition. So the medical students in their separate meeting unanimously passed this resolution that would be the AMA will no longer oppose single payer. They brought it to the floor and there was this really heated debate, you know, doctors who are much older were really nervous. They said, you know, you don't understand what this could mean. This is kind of naive in some ways. You'll you'll suffer long term. And eventually, though, they were able to come to an agreement that the AMA is going to spend the next year studying whether or not they will maintain their opposition to single payer or just drop that stance altogether. And I mean, it sounds really like wonky and, you know, who cares what these doctors in Chicago debate about in their annual meeting, but it's unprecedented and it's a really big deal. Right. You know, the the members of the AMA Student Caucus just seem to have a different view about health insurance than their predecessors. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's a really fair assessment. I talked to a bunch of young doctors for this story. And I mean, I think a big part of it is, I mean, doctors now are different than what they used to be. You have more women, more people of color going into medicine and that changes the the political makeup of the profession at large. And I mean, there's more research now that we really know what having health insurance does for your health. You're able to afford your doctor's visit, your medicine, you're able to stay healthy longer. And sort of what we talked about earlier as well, doctors aren't really afraid anymore of the government micromanaging their professions, their practices, because doctors by and large don't go into these small entrepreneurial business practices like they used to. They go work for a hospital or they go work for a big health system and having the government manage you is, as people have told me, is less of an invasion perhaps than just having the hospital manage you instead. But the other thing that I thought was really interesting about how doctors now are maybe starting to be different from doctors before is like, I mean, I don't know, like if you're young now, you don't necessarily as much go into medicine to get rich. Like that's a lot of studying, spend a lot of years on it, you get a lot of debt go work for a hospital. If you are young and like good at math, good at science, and you want to make a lot of money really fast, you can go work in tech. You can go work on Wall Street. So it changes in some ways who ends up actually wanting to practice medicine. And it's people who, for the most part, maybe really hope it can make a difference. You said the AMA has this conservative slant. I'm curious as to why there are younger doctors who are you know, more representative of American society who are joining this group rather than going to some other medical group? Younger doctors are joining the AMA for a couple of reasons. One is that it is the default establishment medical organization. If you are thinking of doctor trade groups, this is the one. The other thing that came up when I talked to some of these younger doctors and asked them, why are you joining the AMA? It's known for having a certain political bent, even if that's changing. And they said, I think I can make a difference and have my voice heard through this organization. This is the one that has power. 
but I won't be able to influence the policy it speaks on unless I'm part of it. So I think a lot of young doctors see this as a tool to advance the political or policy agenda that they have in mind. Yeah, that's really fascinating because there is this other group called Physicians for a National Health Program, which advocates specifically for single payer. Yes, that is correct. Um, Some of the doctors I talk to are both in PNHP and the AMA. Some of them aren't. And it goes back, I think, to the question about what young doctors actually support. And some of the Medicare for all purists, the ones who you know, really love the Bernie Sanders bill, et cetera, are in PNHP. Others who say, we like universal health care. We see a lot of ways to getting there. We want to make sure we do well by our patients. Maybe don't feel like PNHP is always the organization for them. Doctors have no obligation to join the AMA or PNHP or any of the other trade groups out there. But I mean, it's a community of your peers. You meet with them, you talk with them about your profession, your practice, your ideas. And also, it's a good way to speak about policy and to lobby on things that you want. And we're seeing a lot of these politically engaged people who care about what happens to the future of medicine getting involved for that reason. So from what you can tell, does the student caucus specifically want what's known as single payer, where the government sponsors the plan, the insurance plan? Uh, option two, something more like Medicare for all, or option three, they don't care what it is as long as we reach universal coverage. Everyone has health insurance. I think this is a really good and important question. And in some ways, doctors are a really nice microcosm for what we're seeing nationally as people of all ages talk about single payer. Some really passionately support Medicare for all, and that's what they want. It has to be that way. Many of them really like the bill pushed by Senator Sanders, which, you know, it eliminates co-pays, no deductibles, much bigger benefits, vision, dental, et cetera, gets rid of private insurance. That's one group. There are some people who just say, you know, could be Medicare for all, could be something else. I really want single payer. I want the government to provide this health plan. That'll be it. Some allow private insurance, some don't. Then there are others who... They like the phrase single payer. They like Medicare for all as language, but they're not wedded to that idea necessarily. They just want everyone to have health insurance some way. That's the universal coverage argument. I talked to one young doctor, for instance, this third year orthopedic surgeon resident, and I asked him at one point, I was like, you know, you're designing your ideal healthcare system. What would it be? And he talks about being a single payer advocate. And he says, that's a really hard question. What would work in America? And he ultimately came down to, you know, we allow private insurance and there's a government subsidized public option as well, where you pay as you need to, maybe on a sliding scale or something to that effect. But the idea is everyone gets health insurance they can afford. No one doesn't get care because they can't afford it. I think ultimately that's what's driving a lot of these young doctors and a lot of people across the country who want single payer really just want these basic things to change. To read the full article, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.